You're listening to How Do You Hustle, and on today's episode, we're talking to Hannah Baxter. She's been a beauty writer and a beauty editor for a range of publications for many years, and I actually stumbled across Hannah on social media, but also read a lot of her work online through the Zoe Report, and she's recently decided to take the leap and go freelance and work on some of her own projects as well. So this was great timing to have Hannah on the show, given that this season we're talking to a lot of freelancers. She's just so knowledgeable and I really think she has a lot to share with us. So enjoy today's episode and let me know what you think. I'd like to start the episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording, the Yugambeh people, and paying respects to elders past, present and emerging. Today, we have Hannah Baxter. She's a writer and beauty editor from New York. How are you, Hannah? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. We've got a bit of a time difference happening because I'm sitting here having my Saturday morning coffee and it's 5.30 on a Friday afternoon there. So kind of perfect. (laughs) It's great. You're like waking up for the day. I'm ready to go out and have a night. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So you're a writer and you've also worked as an editor um, as well for a number of publications. So tell us about exactly what you do. So this is actually an interesting week to speak with me. My last day at my full-time job as beauty editor was on Monday. So it's very convenient. It's very new that I'm not um, a full-time beauty editor, but for now I am in the freelance hustle Wow. Welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm, I'm very excited to be here pending maybe something else. I'm not really sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a entirely new phase, but one that's happening throughout the industry, especially for digital editors. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of a new phase and I'm also in the process of figuring out what that looks like, whether that's freelance writing for different outlets or, um, consulting with brands or PR, content creation, all that sort of good stuff. Amazing. Yeah, I think um, I've been through a similar transition this year. And I think I have a background in marketing and journalism and PR. And I think initially it can be like really scary. But once you start doing it, like it flows, yeah. it's just one of those things. So um, I'm sure we can like break that down more. But I'm really excited for you. Congratulations. And like, it will work out. So how did you get started in beauty and um, writing as well? And did you always want to do that when you sort of started out? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I didn't exactly know what that looked like. There was, you know, certain archetypes out there of what a writer could do, but I actually moved to New York to work in the theater industry. My background to school was in playwriting and I worked at a nonprofit theater when I first moved here nine years ago. Yeah, so I have sort of like a circuitous path to where I am. Um, I didn't spend my summers interning at like the Vogue accessories closet or something. I went to the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. I was doing like a much different bag. Wow. So yeah, I was doing that. Um, Surprise, surprise, there's not a lot of money in nonprofit theater. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out like what else I can do. everyone in New York hustle. So I was bartending for a long time and I actually got my first editorial job at Bust Magazine, which is a very cool, like small print. Um, I hate to say the term feminist magazine because I I, I think that that's a unfair qualifier and just feels sort of icky. 
Yeah. Because people can't read it. Um, so I was there this, I'm dating myself, but this was back when like a digital editor was called a blog editor. Right. And so that was my first sort of steps into editorial. And then I got really burnt out. I went to work for a couple of jewelry brands and then I slowly made my way back to editorial. So I didn't know that I wanted to be an editor. I always knew that I was interested in magazines. I had my entire, my, the walls of my bedroom growing up were plastered with editorials from W and interview and all of that stuff. So I think it just sort of happened very organically. And I just found myself in that sphere and I was like, okay, I think I really enjoy this and I might be good at it. So it's proof that there's not one way to get into editorial that's for sure no and like I think it's also proof that you're obviously really good at what you were doing um were you like writing as well as doing your theater stuff to kind of like build your portfolio or um I was writing for a few outlets not quite like traditional editorial I was writing for a site called the rumpus I was doing like author interviews and Um, just really anything to get clips out there. This was sort of when the gears were really turning for digital and there were so many publications. And I think I sent a million pitches to Exo Vane and Exo Jane back in the day. And yeah, I was just really trying to get clips because writing is a muscle and the more that you do it, the easier it is, the more you understand what people are interested in in publishing. Um, So I was always writing and then the other aspects of being an editor all just sort of you pull from the rest of your life and you learn how to it's a very like nebulous job and title and it varies from publication to publication what you do on the daily um but yeah it just I found myself here and I'm, I'm so grateful to have landed where I am yeah amazing experience um so I guess this is going to look a bit different now for you, but like walk us through the day-to-day of like working for one of those publications or like, um, you know, recently, what have your day-to-days looked like? Yeah. um, It's a very hectic schedule. You have to be someone who sort of thrives in chaos um, because not only are you trying to like the base level of what you're trying to do is get content, out into the world. And for myself, that was in the digital space. So that was generally two features a day. And then I'm managing readers and overseeing news and all of this stuff. So that on a very like basic level is what you're (laughs) responsible for. But then you're also, you know, trying to learn about the industry and new products are launching. People have new initiatives and you're going to desk sightings and events. And every day was really different, which I love. It can be a little overwhelming because I'm a very meticulous, I thrive in sort of that chaos, but I also want things to be very orderly if I can have a say in it. I'm the same. (laughs) Yeah. Like you, you want things to go a certain way and then it never Never. does because Yeah. yeah, the universe has a say in things, but I really like that about the industry and your goal is to really learn and then convey mm-hmm. what you learned through the lens of being an editor. Like you're in that role because you can be discerning and you have, you know, a taste level that appeals to your audience. And yeah. So I think it's, 
it's different every day. And I think now I'm going to be doing a lot of the same things, but I have a little bit more time to absorb what's happening and speak with people. And like I, my calendar for the next, this whole week, I'm sort of relaxing. And then next week I have meetings and a lot of similar things that I was doing before. It's just a bit more on my timetable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, I think, um, I think that can be good as well because you know you obviously love that chaos and like it being in that environment but yeah I think it is probably nice I know for me like I work better at certain times of the day and things like that so even just working for yourself you can kind of like work to that and if you like to like go for a coffee in the morning and go work at a cafe like you can do that um which is great (laughs) I think people sometimes forget just the sheer volume of what's coming to you. Like when people would try to understand what I was doing throughout the day, whether I was explaining to my boss who was handling more of the fashion stuff um, and beauty, especially, and this is an industry-wide thing. I, I like to tell people I got on average an email every 60 seconds. Oh my God. So it, just like putting yourself in that space of being constantly inundated with information yeah. and news. So and then other I mean, journalists coming up and asking like, hey, what do you think yeah. about this idea or calls? Yeah. And oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I know you've been to a lot of like events over the years in New York and obviously um, all over. Um, so of all the exciting things you've kind of got to do, like what has sort of been like one of the main highlights for you? I mean, this job is hard, but you can't say that it's not quote unquote, very glamorous at times. Um, there's a a reason that you're, you're doing the grind. You, you get some very nice perks. I think travel has been the one that really stands out to me because you just have the opportunity to go to places with, not only are you going, but you're sort of being, um, shown a, a curated and the entire thing is planned for you. So it's very low stakes for you. You're just kind of there to learn and enjoy and absorb what is being shown to you. So I've been kind of all over the world. I've been to Korea. I've been to Mauritius in Africa. I've been to Stockholm. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to uh, Paris more times than I can count, which is something that is a true pinch me moment because the first time I went to Paris was for work. So I think that that is just, you never really get over the fact that you're being flown somewhere Mm -hmm. in some beautiful part of the world and get to experience that. It's, it's a real pinch me moment every time. I think it's really nice that you say that and that you are still obviously like gracious about it because I actually did think for some people, it probably does get old. I mean, some of the influences have probably been on, you know, hundreds of trips and like, but it's yeah. probably not fair of me to think that like, that's really nice to hear that you feel like that because um, yeah, that's truly incredible. Some of those opportunities. Um, so how have you seen the industry change in recent years? Like obviously digital, like the landscape has completely changed. So yeah. How have you kind of seen that affect your industry that you're in? Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said before, even when I started having digital being called a blog and there wasn't a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, value assigned to it, it was just sort of the accessory to the main 
goal, which was print. Um, yeah. And I'm very much in the camp that print is not dead. There's nothing I no. love more relaxing and having a beautiful magazine and a beautiful product that you can touch. It's very tangible. Um, but that is not the case anymore. Um, I think that the heyday of digital was probably a few years ago, pre-pandemic. And unfortunately, we've seen mergers and sites closing. And it's always a dark day in the industry when a title closes. I mean, it, whether or not it's digital, like when Allure closed, that was such, or uh-huh. the print edition of Allure closed, that was a very heavy day for beauty editors, especially. Um But I think that it's just, you unfortunately realize when you're on this side of the fence that you are trying to make money. Like this is a business and in some ways it's advertising and the way that people are making money, whether through branded content, whether through traffic, whether through campaigns, um, it's constantly evolving. And the way that people are interacting with media is evolving. You're not only competing with other titles, you're now competing with social media. Um, and that's where people are getting a lot of their news. It's where in beauty, especially they're getting advice, which drives me crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. That's a whole other conversation, but some um, of the stuff on there. <laughs> yeah. It's, Oh God. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're competing for people's attention and people's attention, their attention spans are getting shorter and the way that they want to absorb their content is changing. So it's really tough to maneuver an industry that is so old and, you know, sort of set in its ways a little bit. But I think we're on the precipice of one more like really big shift in just how these titles operate. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that transition. But I was going to ask, like, from a beauty perspective, and this is a change of um, topic, but what's sort of like one of your favorite brands or products that you've been using? Or like, is there a brand that you think is doing really well online that you like really love their brand, I guess, and how they do things? I mean, there's so many. It's like, the beauty industry is so saturated. Yeah, it is. It's so saturated in the way that people our shopping for products is so different than it was even 10 years ago. Totally. And I think that the um, beauty consumer is a lot more discerning and knowledgeable, which is great. But um, I think that this influx of brands means that there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of crap out there and you don't need that many things. But I think the brands that are doing it most successfully that are launching are filling an actual gap in the market. They're Mm. not just trying to, you know, be like, oh, beauty's cool. Let's just launch a brand, aka every celebrity right now. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You want to like see a beauty editor go into a rage, ask her about celebrity beauty. Oh, brands. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, I can imagine. But um, <laughs> ones that stick out, like there's a skincare brand named um Edom, E-A-D-E-M. Oh. And it was started by two women, formal former Google employees, both women of color started this brand. They started really small. They started with one serum, which I think is really smart. And it was formulated for skin of color and the needs of people who have more melanin in their skin. And it can be used by everyone, but it was specifically formulated for this demographic who are historically not represented in a lot of beauty launches, especially for a new company. Um, And that was, it has a specific point of view. The branding's on point. A friend of mine worked on the branding. So I'm like, she did a really great <laughs> I'll have to have a look. Um, but they're really considered and they're, they're going low and slow 
and it's, it's skincare, which is again, so saturated, but they make it really digestible and really accessible. Um, so yeah, that's one, I think tower 28, their founder, Amy is so smart. She had really, I think she still has really severe eczema and she founded like a clean makeup brand and skin, she has some skincare now. Um, but she has a, a really impressive beauty pedigree from where she worked and she founded this brand and it's just really thoughtful and beautiful and easy to use and fun. And she's also just an amazing human being. I had dinner with her for a new launch, um, I'm wearing their mascara right now. And it's probably the best mascara clean or not that I've ever worn. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Free plug for tower 28 yeah. mascara. Um, <laughs> but okay. it is like, she wanted to make the best clean mascara that she could. And it took her, I, I don't, I think it's like three or four years. A long wow. Time. Yeah. I can imagine. That's great. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I'm like, an OG like I've watched like Carolyn Hirons and like all of those like the English like old school like um Charlotte Tilbury and like I watch them all on YouTube I'm one of those people that gets really invested in something and has to research every element probably the journalist in me um and so I like to think that I'm quite beauty literate and I like to think that I've got a fair I mean obviously nothing like you but I've got a fair uh, bullshit radar and like I recently I don't know if you have Mecca I don't know that's our Australian like uh because you don't have space in K what's what's your we do oh okay well we don't have that but we have like Sephora which you have mm-hmm. and we have Mecca and Mecca's like Sephora's like probably the more young beauty place Mecca's like probably aimed at more sort of 30s and up really beautiful like high quality stuff um, but I have a voucher for my birthday and I was in there the other day and I was just looking and I thought that I'm like, there is just so many options now that like, if you didn't know what these products do, yep, you could just fall into a void. <laughs> it's overwhelming. overwhelming. I, it's overwhelming for me if I go into a Sephora and I don't just, <laughs> I'm like, there's so much stuff here. Just so much. So much. Yeah. It, it, I, I like the phrase beauty literate because I do think you sort of forget. I just have to talk to some friends outside of the beauty industry. And I say something like, I don't know, moisture barrier. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, what do you mean? What, what is that? Like, yeah. I okay. And yeah, if you're not a journalist or someone who does this often, there's just so much information. There's so much products. There's so much misinformation. And if yeah. you're playing with actives like I feel like you need that baseline because I know when I first got into it I was just trialing all this stuff and oh god yeah you my, your face my barrier got compromised basically so <laughs> you know I just stick to like a really good cleanser like a basic moisturizing cleanser like I have a vitamin c or a retinol serum that I alternate um and then just a really good moisturizer mm-hmm it's it's really people want people ask me like what is your number one product like what brand what thing what's gonna change what's gonna change my life and I'm like honestly nothing will consistency will yeah I know that's an infuriating answer for people but I'm like pick something that agrees with your skin and use it as much as is suggested Mm -hmm. I don't use retinoin every day all day but um (laughs) Yeah. I think that people are hoping that it's going to be some magic cream that's going to 
solve all of their skincare woes or, or yeah. for hair, whatever category you're interested in. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way it's good. Like that's what I was going to circle back to. Like, I think in a way it's good that there's people like you who are quite active on social media now, or as much as there's influencers and people talking about beauty that maybe aren't giving or celebrities that aren't giving that really expert advice I think there is we are seeing more who are as well so it's kind of hopefully going to like cancel each other out yeah um I just interviewed my feature with her went up on my last day of work but my one of my favorite dermatologists who treats me Dendi Engelman wow uh, and she had a really good line about people who look to social media for advice. And she's like, you're going to trust someone based on the numbers after their name versus the letters after their name. And I was like, when she said that quote in the interview, I was like, yes, thank you for that tidbit. Um, But it's so true. And I'm very passionate about transparency in beauty. Um, I think being really honest about what you're doing and not gatekeeping the information is crucial. And I think that a lot of well-known celebrities and influencers are not honest about what they're doing to their bodies, to their skin, um, especially in the anti-aging realm. And I think it's really dangerous to trust these people who are not being honest about why they look so good in someone's eyes. And I have no qualms being like, my face is full of Botox. It's great. I have filler. It's (laughs) like... It's not, people are hungry for that information and it's really dangerous when they think, what if I just turned around? I was like, you know, it's just water and sleep and like a a good moisturizer. And that's all I said. That would be wildly inaccurate and dangerous. I don't want someone to feel like they can look a certain way without a little extra help from a dermatologist. No, I think you're all spot on with that. So what, what advice would you give to someone who maybe does want to start out writing in beauty or even on social media, like, I guess, talking about beauty on social media in a way that's um, sensible? Yeah. Like what advice would you give? For someone that wants to write, it's pretty simple to start. I think you should read as much as possible. Um, I think this is true no matter if you want to be in magazine journalism or whatever sort of avenue you need to read, you need to find writers that you like, publications that you like, figure out why you like them. Is it their voice? Is it what they're reporting on? Is it um, just identifying what you admire about a piece of writing? And then just writing, like whether that's starting a newsletter or just writing practice articles. I know it can seem like a waste of time, but just writing in and of itself, even if it's not, you know, going on vogue.com or the Zoe report or something. I think that's really important. And I think there's such an art to pitching that I definitely did not understand when I was younger. Um, so if you can reach out to an editor and maybe ask them if they could get coffee sometime, if you're in the same area or, um, people are surprisingly willing to give advice in this industry, um, at least people that I know, because it is so hard to break into and it can seem really um, unattainable, but 
I've always been someone who wants to help lift others up and not be like, you have to pay your dues, like whatever. I mean, in a small way you do, you have to hold like a reflector on set for three yeah. hours, your arms are aching. Like you, you're probably gonna have to do that, but, um, don't be afraid to reach out to people that you admire. I wouldn't ask for three hours of their time, but you can always just take them for coffee or ask to get on a zoom and then ask about the pitching process, ask for any advice that they have, how they got into something. Um, and then talking about beauty, I think first and foremost, reading and not listening to people on social media, not that everyone on social media is wrong or they don't know what they're talking about. There are some content creators that have done the work and have interesting backgrounds, whether they were, I follow a couple of cosmetic chemists, which is just like a dream because they're coming at it from a totally different point of view or dermatologists. Yeah, I love that. But I mean, listen to the right people, educate yourself, um, be very thoughtful, be inclusive, be discerning. Um, don't go for just trying to get views or go viral. People will find your content if you're making something that's interesting and valuable. That's really good advice. Cool. And I've noticed that you, and I'm just sort of like speaking of the coffee, like I've noticed your, um, you're playing with videos and like doing a lot on social media as well. Do you enjoy doing that? Like, where did that start for you? I do. I'm a Leo. So there's like some, <laughs> that <there>. explains it. <laughs> and I, I like, um, and I have a theater degree, even though I was not exactly, an actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really like the video format because it's a little more forgiving. There's something to like a posed photo and like the era of Instagram that I really started to put effort into it because as an editor, you are your own brand and there's value in that and so on and so forth. But I like a video. I, I think in terms of like what a video would look like so much, it's so much more interesting to me and you can be more playful and it just feels a lot more dynamic. And I like speaking on video. Um, I'm that person that sends really long voice notes to my oh friends. My. <laughs> I have to like get it out. I can't type it. Um, yeah. oh, so it just feels so like it's a little more personal, you know, you can get across. And I also don't have like a huge tripod and a nice camera to do all these things that some of these people out here are doing and they're smashing it and it's amazing. But I'm like, I can just put my phone propped up on a water bottle and like go to town. I love that. I think like it's something that's come up with us a bit because obviously like more and more people I'm talking with are like very active on TikTok and I sort of like realized that like I think Instagram it was easy to have a very curated beautiful perfect um, layout and obviously not easy to grow your following but you know it was easy to paint that picture whereas I actually think it's a lot harder to get on camera, make a funny video or talk about something really personal and it resonate with people. So hats off to you. It's really funny. Just like some of the most random stuff I'll talk about will get a ton of views. Like I posted a video about trying to take out my AC unit, which you can see in the back, I still haven't done. And people got really heated in the <laughs> comments and like, it's such like a niche New York thing. Yeah. I was like, I just filmed this like on taking like a lunch break during work. And it was so just something that was on my mind. And I think that's the nice thing about doing video content and doing it sort of off the cuff. And 
less rehearsed. Um, I think that people just want to feel like they can find some other weird person who shares their weird take on things or, you know, there are trolls out there who just want to tell you that you're wrong at every turn. But I really love finding someone who's talking about a niche topic that I relate to, or if I can create that for someone, I love it. I think it's much more community driven in that sense, as opposed to like, yeah, I like taking a photo. If I'm wearing like an amazing dress at my friend's wedding and I feel like a hot piece, I'm like, yes, I'm going to post that on the internet, but it's a different, it's a different vibe. It's totally different. And I think it's just going to be so interesting to see, you know, we've still got the two kind of channels and Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating watching that evolve. And I'm really interested to see whether, you know, we see the Instagram sort of become more of a Facebook vibe and TikTok. Yeah. You know, I think that's the way we're heading. But it's, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see the two platforms evolve and kind of fight it out in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, Instagram's desperately trying with real. So I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll. I'll- play in that sandbox if you want me to that's fine you can post them on both like I feel Mm -hmm. like it's great that you can kind of multitask and um so speaking of social media or um online if people would like to find you online and give you a follow where can they go so my handle on both TikTok and Instagram is at Hannah Baxford a lot of people think that that's my last name (laughs) Backwards. It's a pun on Hannah backwards, but that handle was taken. So I made it like my last name and like Hannah Backsword. And I get packages from PR who have known me as an editor for years addressed to Hannah Backsword. I'm like, you guys, an ounce of research, please. <laughs> but yes, oh, that so is funny. my handle. Um, and they can also read my newsletter, Anxiety Beer, which I publish twice a month lovely about like mental health and sort of a different sphere than what I do in the beauty space but related as well amazing I will definitely check that out and subscribe because that's something I'm very interested in as well amazing well this has been so lovely to talk to you Hannah I really really enjoyed it and yeah like all the best with your um freelancing and seeing where your career takes you you might have yeah, to ask you for some advice soon because it is it's nerve wracking to take this jump. I know a lot of people like the great resignation and everything, but it's nerve wracking to sort of put faith in yourself in the universe and go out on your own. It definitely is. And like, I wouldn't say that I've mastered it. And like, there's things for me, like even doing freelance PR media releases for people and things like that, where you have to give a price and you have to invoice and just look like navigating that whole thing is something in itself. But I think that you definitely would be more experienced than me in, in that. Like, I think we, we have being in journalism or that kind of space, you're so used to pitching and it's just pitching, but in a different Yeah. I have a lot of amazing women mainly in my orbit who have done this and just I have an amazing community of people around me to support you and cheer you on I'm going to call out I have a group chat called hype crew and (laughs) it is like we hype each other up whether someone's asking like for advice on a a rate for a project or someone has an interview and it's truly like hype crew should win some awards because nothing will make you feel better than some of your 
best female friends just being like, secure the bag, like, get it. You're amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, go, go, go. It's I love that. You know, That's really that. cool. That might Everyone be something I can implement. <laughs> yeah. You need a hype crew. It's important. Amazing. Well, yeah. Keep us posted. I'll, I'll check in maybe like in six months and see how you're going on email or something. <laughs> I would love that. I just walked away from that interview just feeling so refreshed and motivated really because I find talking to other people that are in a similar position and are deciding to take that leap of faith and do something different to what they've done for many years is just really motivating. So definitely check out Anxiety Beer. I have subscribed and it's really good. So definitely worth checking out. It also made me think maybe I should start a hype group if anyone is interested in joining my How Do You Hustle hype group, let me know. We can do it on Facebook Messenger or Instagram Messenger or something and start a bit of a freelance hype crew because there's definitely days where you need that extra motivation from other people who are in a similar position or if you have questions as well. I know I'm a member of a lot of Facebook groups about uh, communications and PR and social media as well. So that can be a great place to start. But I am thinking of doing some more episodes on these topics. So if you've got any requests, again, get in touch. Thank you for listening and thank you for all your support um, on our last few episodes. They've been really fun and yeah, the support just keeps us going and we love it. If you would also like to, you can give us a star rating on Spotify or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, really. Uh, you can also follow us at Howdy Hustle on Instagram or TikTok. And we are also now on Patreon. We've got a really exciting episode coming up for you next time. And until then, I will talk to you soon. If you're looking for PR, social media or podcast production support, look no further than Word on the Street Press. For a free meeting or quote today, go to www.wordonthestreetpress.com.